Welcome to this week's episode where I am joined by Charlini Jadeva, Workplace Relations Consultant. Welcome, Charlini. Thank you. So, Charlini, as you know, we have a clue for what this week's topic is. Uh, and the topic is up there now. Can you describe that picture for those people playing at home? All right. So, we've got a man holding a large leaf. Um, it's quite a long leaf. <laughs> Uh, I would say the topic is long service leaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly long service leaf. <laughs> uh, so look, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk about the mental health long service leave clause. The long service leave looks different in the new agreement. So it looks very different. Uh, there's been there was a real drive during the bargaining process to insert a comprehensive long service leave clause into the agreement that outlines the full entitlement. How is the clause structured? The clause is structured into parts, uh, which is the same as the other long service leave clauses inserted into the various agreements this round. So as you can see on the screen, uh, there's an overview of the four parts. So the first part explains the scope of the clause and includes defined terms used across each part. Uh, part two set out, sets out the long service leave entitlements for employees employed as a group A employee or a group B employee. Um, and there's definitions within the agreement at the time they take a period of long service leave or their employment ceases. Uh, part three uh, sets out the long service leave entitlements of employees employed as a group C employee and that they're also defined at the time they take a period of long service leave or their employment ceases. And finally, part four contains a series of common provisions that apply in respect to all employees. What are the key features of part one? I'm glad you asked, uh, Charlene. So there are really only two clauses in part one. So as you can see on the screen, uh, the first one's scope and the second one is uh, definitions. So in terms of uh, 47.1, this deals with how the structure or how the clause is structured. So this is the split of the clause into four parts as we discussed earlier, and actually it reflects the words that we talked about earlier. And that leaves us just with 47.2, which deals with the definitions. Um, so there are really um, some quite important changes in the definitions, and we'll take uh, we'll take people through them now. So the first one is uh, the allowable period of absence. So uh, 47.2a talks about what the allowable period of absence is, and that means five weeks in addition to the total period of annual leave or paid annual long service or personal leave, which the employee actually receives on termination or for which the employee is paid in lieu. So that's a really important definition for knowing when uh, service is broken. The other key definitions are for Group A, what is a Group A employee, what is a Group B, B employee, and what is a Group C employee. Essentially, all the employees other than the casual health professionals fit into Group A and Group B. So if, you, if you're a casual health professional, you're in Group C, otherwise you're in Group A and Group B. So there are some technical differences between uh, these two groups being Group A and Group B, but uh, as far as to what uh, the relevant pre-modern award is, but essentially both groups are treated exactly the same by the clause. There's some minor differences, but, but not significant ones. And again, uh, it's only the casual health professionals that fall into Group C. 
So essentially, uh, Group A and B employees received the full agreement entitlement of six months long service leave after 15 years of continuous service, whilst Group C receives the State Long Service Leave Act entitlement of three months after 15 years continuous employment. So people will remember previously there was different entitlements across all those different employees. Now it's only two. So you're either a Group A and Group B, so you've got the 15 years, uh, six months after 15 years, or you're a casual health professional fitting into categories Group C, and uh, you're under the State Long Service Leave Act. Are there any uh, important definitions? So the definition of pay has been amended to add the following. So you can see on the screen at the moment, 47.2H means, uh, pay means uh, if an employee does not have normal weekly hours of work, pay is calculated in accordance with Section 16 of the Long Service Leave Act. So this is really important because it clarifies the payment for casual employees, which was absent from the previous agreements. So it's included in the agreement moving forward. What does part two do? The part two lists the entitlement specific to group A and group B employees. These groups include everyone other than the casual health professionals, as we said before. When can group A and group B employees access their long service leave? Uh, so uh, previously, employees can only access their entitlement after 10 years. So this has changed in the new agreement to progressively reduce the time from 10 years to seven years as follows. So you can, you can see on the screen there that um, from the 1st of July 2021 it goes to nine years. It goes to uh, eight years from the 1st of July 2022. And then finally, uh, seven years uh, from the 1st of July 2023. Are there any changes to the periods that count towards continuous service? So yes, the first one is located at subclause 47.5b Roman numeral 6. So it says on and, up, on and from the 1st of July 2020, any period of unpaid leave taken on account of illness or injury, a period of parental leave, including parental leave that is extended under clause 50.12, and the first 52 weeks of any other type of unpaid leave not specifically referenced in this subclause being 47.5b uh, Roman numeral 4. So these, these changes are retrospective, but they align with the general nurses agreement. So um, we, there may need to be some recalculations of that continuous uh, service for some employers. The new agreement also clarifies the treatment of casual periods of employment, and that does so as follows. So you can see here, in the case of a casual employee, a period of continuous casual employment, noting that there will be portability of such service between any employer, statutory body and institution in accordance with clause 47.7c and 47.23. And also uh, Roman numeral 8, that says prior continuous casual employment as a Group C employee that was either A, with the current employer, or B, uh, with one or more institutions or statutory bodies directly associated with such institutions, provided that the employee was an award-entitled employee, at the time of their employment with the other institution or associated statutory body was terminated. So, uh, and then it goes on to say that, say that if long service leave was already taken or paid in lieu in respect of it as any such period, no further period to long service leave will arise in respect of that period. So what this is really saying that if it's continuous casual employment, that it counts as service. Is continuous casual employment defined? So it is, yes, it is defined at 47.5A Roman numeral 2, and you can see it on the screen at the moment. So continuous casual employment means 
the purpose of clause 47.5b, a period or periods of casual service that are taken to be continuous because one of the following applies. So A is the period starting at the end of a particular instance of employment and ending at the start of another particular instance of employment did not exceed the either the allowable period of absence or 12 weeks, whichever is greater. Uh, the employee has been uh, employed by an employer on a regular and systematic basis and the employee had a reasonable expectation of being engaged by the same employer or the gap between engagements was due to the terms of engagement of the casual employee or the gap between engagements was caused by seasonal factors or finally the employee and employer agreed before the start of an absence to treat the employment as continuous despite the absence. So those words will be familiar to people, um, they come out of the Act. Uh, but it's really those first two uh, that they are the important ones. So um, unfortunately, the regular and systematic basis with an, a reasonable expectation of ongoing employment is still there, um, but it's spelt out in terms of the items that need to be tested against. Are there any changes to what periods do not break service, but do count towards continuous service? No, it's just those, it's just those previous ones which, uh, which say what counts as service. Has there been any clarity regarding termination of employment and when long service leave must be paid out? Uh, yes, there is a clause 47.7 deals with payment on termination of employment. Uh, the important sub-clause sub is that 47.7a, which reads as follows. So for the purpose of this clause, 47.7, termination of employment has its ordinary meaning, provided that it is taken to occur upon conversion from full-time or part-time, employment to casual employment and secondly it is not taken to occur at the cessation of each shift as a casual employee so what that what, the, what that really means is that if an employee transfers from permanent to casual employment then their long service leave is paid out in accordance with 47.7b which uh, which says uh, that uh, you can see on your screen at the moment it says that where where except where an election is made under clause 47.7c Below, an employee is entitled to payment in lieu of unpaid and long service leave upon termination of employment as follows. Uh, so for Group A employees, it is at the as at the termination date, the employee's period of continual service is not less than four years and the termination occurs for any reason other than the employee's behaviour. Or secondly, if the employee would have otherwise been entitled to take long service leave under, under clause 47.4. And of course, for uh, Roman numeral three there, it says for, for group B employees, if as of the termination date, the employee would have been entitled to take long service leave under clause 47.4. Uh, so what that's really saying is um, that if you transfer from permanent to casual employment and you have an entitlement to long service leave, then it will be paid out at that time. Um, otherwise, uh, it would be paid out if you exceed the allowable period of absence or that 12-week period of time. So it makes it really clear about when long service leave is paid out and how that relates with periods of casual employment. So you'll notice that there is a difference between Group A and Group B employees in those provisions. So for a Group A employee, they have a basic entitlement after four years of continuous service to be paid out at termination, whilst the Group B employees it's, it's currently eight years and then we'll go to seven years from July 2023. And these are one of those uh, slight subtle differences 
that are based on the pre-modern award. Why is it four years uh, from Group A employees? Yeah, so some employees may have such a pre-modern award entitlement uh, under under Group A. It is actually unclear. It is unclear, but to resolve that issue moving forward, the four-year provision has been applied to all employees within Group A to try and reconcile it moving in. And we want a comprehensive clause, so um, we've taken it to a consistent level for all those Group A employees. Do employees have to have their long service leave paid out when they convert from permanent to casual? So no, if the employee has less than 15 years of continuous service, they can elect to transfer the ser that service to another employer in accordance with subclause uh, 47.7. C. So that's the existing rule if you've got less than 15 years of service, um, but more than uh, seven or four, depending on, on, on which category you fall into, you can elect to to um, not be paid out and move that service to another employer. And we talked a little bit about concurrent service in part four, um, but that's the basic principle. Let's jump to part four, common conditions applicable to all employees. What changes are there in part four? So part four uh, does contain uh, common conditions to all employees. Um, so the two key subclauses are 47.21 records and 47.23 concurrent services we talked a little bit about before. So 47.21 is um, relates to records and uh, the need to maintain records, which is an existing obligation. I think the challenge that we've got at the moment is that emerging entitlement for the casual employees and needing to keep records for that um, those periods which hasn't necessarily been an obligation in the past so like we had found in the nurses about records that's going to be a key issue for us as well with the mental health agreement but we know that um, moving forward or prospectively a lot of the issues with the clause have been sorted out but records is one of those ones that will 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 present challenges so the second key section is located at 47.23, which in essence says if a group A or group B transfers from employer one to employer two, but remains a casual with employer one, then they can elect to transfer their service to employer B, which is what we talked about before. Uh, and if they do that, employer A is then no longer liable for the accrued long service leave prior to the transfer. And that's the current situation. Um, but the clause goes on a little bit further and it talks about how that casual employment with employer A is then, is then dealt, how it's dealt with. So the clause goes on to say that the subsequent casual employment with employer A is separate and distinct to the future service with employer B. The clause also says that the qualifying period required to accrue an entitlement to long service leave with the first employer does not reset. That is, the employer's prior service with the employer can be counted when calculating any future entitlement to long service leave with the first employer. So what that really means is if you go from employer one to employer two, you take that service, you can take that service with employer two at any future point, and that will count that initial time with employer one. But at the same time, you can have concurrent service with employer one from when you went to casual. You can't double dip in that first period, but you can count it towards qualifying for a future entitlement. It's really, it really makes it a lot clearer about how they interact and, and how it sort of works. There will be some challenges around certificates of service, for instance, 
because previously, if you've gone casual, then there hasn't been that record. Um, but those problems have been experienced and largely worked through in the nurses' agreement, but they'll arise in this agreement as well. That then takes us back to Part C. So yeah, so Part C only applies to casual health professionals, which I'm not counting, but I think I've said about 47 times so far. Uh, it largely reflects, so this area has some supplementary terms, but it largely reflects the state long service leave act. So members should um, remember that Part C limited to casual health professionals based on the long service leave uh, state act. Is there anything else to add to Part C? Yeah, so uh, lived experience workers were moved to the health professionals um, section because they better aligned with that group. Um, but that had the unintentional consequence of depriving casual lived experience workers from um, long service leave under the agreement. So they went to the State Act. Um, so that was that wasn't intentional. There was no claim to remove that entitlement. There's not there's not many casual lived experience workers, if any. But what employers should do is instead apply the Part A B entitlement, or actually the Part B entitlements for that group. I understand VHIA will also develop a long service lead guide for mental health agreement. Yeah, so there was agreement uh, through the bargaining process, not part of the agreement, but the parties realised that it's a significant change to the clause. And what we could do to assist with the implementation is um, co-author a, a, a long service lead guide, which we'll do as part of the MIC uh, that's already met a couple of times. Um, we've put that date for the end of October for VHA to do the first draft. So hopefully we'll get that out to the field uh, by the end of the year. Thank you for taking us through the mental health agreement long service leave clause. My pleasure.